the Lord, everybody. Anybody enjoy last night? I'm glad my daddy did good. I want to go to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 tonight. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Thank you for receiving my pastor into the spirit of this church last night. I have felt since the beginning that the Lord wanted to make a definite connection between these two churches. And I'm sure now you're starting to feel the same way. And I think it'll probably be a regular thing on both sides. It won't be but a little while when it opens up that this brother and sister is going to come preach for us back home. And we're going to have to steal them the way y'all stole him. And aren't you a blessed people? I want to take your attention at verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles or the devices, the ideas of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. And having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, take in the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. I want to talk to you tonight on a simple subject. The word vigil means to watch and to pray specifically in the time that you would have been asleep is to wake up out of your slumber and to be alert in the spirit with the spirit of prayer I want to talk to you tonight to this great church about being vigilant being vigilant with your vigil. Being vigilant with your vigil. Would you lift your hands to the Lord and ask Him to help us tonight? Yana 
Well, let's lift our voice like we want the Lord to work. But I, I believe tonight that spiritual warfare will start in this house. And that there will be people set free even beyond these four walls because of this church's prayer. God bless you. You can be seated. Being vigilant with your vigil. The closer we get to the return or the coming of the Lord and the catching away of the church, things get more intense on each day. And it's said that what a man or a woman goes through on a day-to-day -day basis now is the same level of pressure that a man would go through in a lifetime a hundred years ago. The world's changed. Things seem to be going downhill. It's getting to the point that it's not as hard to pray, come quickly, Lord Jesus, anymore. And if you pray that and you start missing your house and your dog and your cat and your horses and whatever else it is, you're probably not ready to go yet. But it's getting bad in this world. And the Lord's allowing these things to happen. And part of the reason why it's happening the way it is is so that there's an easy removal of the church. That when the rapture takes place, the church can just go up. But before we can go up in the rapture, we've got to have had enough of the world. And I can't be saved and be worldly. It's impossible. It doesn't work. You can't be raptured and be enraptured and caught up with the things of this world. You're either going to be raptured by the things of the world, which is to be caught up with it, or to be caught up with the things of heaven. But there is no middle ground. And the enemy, as these things, it seems like time is getting expedited and days don't last as long as they used to. And even a good night's sleep don't feel as long as it used to feel, just in the last few years. The enemy wants to get us to believe that we are the enemy of one another. That is a device and an idea, a wile of the devil to try to get church people to turn against one another and to criticize one another and to begin to critique everything the church does and everything that the pastor does. And then when we start having issues in our life, we start blaming it on people. But your Bible said we wrestle not against flesh and blood. I heard a man say one time an incorrect statement and an unbiblical statement. He said, everywhere I go, I don't fight demonic spirits. The Lord's given me authority over that. All I fight with is human spirits. And that sounded good, except it just didn't fit in the word of God. But it doesn't matter how long you live for God and how deep you get in the things of God. You're going to fight in the dimension of spiritual warfare. And one of the first revelations you need when you step into warfare is nobody in this room is your enemy. Nobody within these four walls, in the sound booth, on the platform, in the pews, nobody on this planet is your enemy. But your enemy is Satan himself. Amen. 
and the demons of hell. Tonight, what I would like to do in the beginning of this is us to mark who our enemy is and to look throughout this room of the people that have offended you in time gone by and get a revelation. That was not them. That was the enemy in their weakness trying to get at me. And in their weakness, he stood up and he manipulated them, so to speak, to try to get me to give up on church and to stop praying and to stop living right. But we've come to serve notice on the devil tonight. We're not going to stop coming to church. We're not going to live offended. We're not going to stop having prayer meeting. Satan, I don't care who it is that's offended me. You're not taking my worship away. You're not taking my hand clapping away. You're not taking my Bible reading time away. Thank you, God, for giving me fresh revelation tonight that nobody in this house is my enemy. I really feel like preaching that for a few minutes tonight. This man of God to my left is not your enemy. Now, it may feel like when the man of God starts preaching and the Lord starts working on you with the sword of the Spirit, the two-edged sword, it may feel like he's coming after you. But if you could get supernatural eyes and see what's got a grip on you, the reason it feels like he's coming after you is because there are spirits that have gotten so close and so invested in you and they have so gotten a grip on you that when that spirit begins to be cut away, it feels like part of you is leaving. But if part of me would take me down, I don't want any part of me. I only want to live with the me that's interested in going up. There are things within us that must die. There are things within our lives that must die. There are things within our minds that must die. If we're going to walk in victory, then we must loose the man of God to operate with the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and cut things out of our mind, cut things out of the church, cut things out of our family. It's important to note tonight that when we begin to lose our children and when we begin to lose the spiritual authority in our home, usually it starts when we limit the reach of the man of God. I don't understand how we believe the ball coach can save them, but we won't let the preacher save them. It doesn't make any sense to me. And I feel a holy boldness settling down on me tonight to come fight for somebody. And I, I feel like the Lord's been reaching for some young people in this house for weeks. And God doesn't want you to be a weak, anemic, limp, beat up, busted group of people. But he's got to give you a revelation of how strong and how powerful you are when you're walking hand in hand with God. This church is the devil's worst enemy. You people are Satan's worst enemy. Who's on the Lord's side tonight? I'm full of the Holy Ghost. Baptized in Jesus' name. There is no temptation that's going to take me down. There is no 
addiction that's going to take me down. I want to preach a message of victory to a victorious church. I don't care what the devil does or what he's already done. He can't take you out unless you let him. You've got enough power in you to drive out every devil that has tried to step into your life. Somebody lift your hands to the Lord right now. I feel that the Lord is setting this church up in a place of prayer and authority. What I see and I've been talking about for a few weeks is People coming, but specifically tonight, I want to put an emphasis on who some of these people are. It's your family. It's your friends. It's your backslidden children. It's your backslidden spouse. Your backslidden mother and father, grandmother, grandfather, cousins and aunts, uncles, it, all, it is the people that belong to this church that the Lord is going to reach through this church one more time before the church is raptured up. And he's trusting us to go to war in the spirit for people that look like they're hopeless cases. And I, I don't want to get off in what I'm going to touch right now, okay? Because I've already preached 30 and 40 minutes on these specific things in the last number of weeks. And I don't want to get off in it again. I'm ready to move on from it and go into something else. But you cannot do warfare and be addicted to television and entertainment at the same time. You cannot operate in spiritual warfare and spend five hours and six hours a day on your cell phone doing and watching things that don't matter. It's not just about one box and one thing in your hand or a tablet. It's about what are you spending your time with? Is it feeding my spirit or is it feeding my flesh? Is it drawing me to prayer or is it drawing me away from prayer? If it takes you away from your prayer meeting, it is stealing your authority from you. It's not about a box on the wall or a thing in your hand or a thing on your table. What is coming through that thing? Let me tell you tonight. Used to, you could just preach about one thing. But now, and if you hadn't figured out how I felt about some of this stuff in the last few weeks, I don't know what to tell you. But I don't want to talk about that again. What I want to say is that if you're not praying and you're not walking in the Spirit and you're not coming by this church and being with God and your house doesn't feel like a prayer room where the Prince of Peace rules, then your family's not coming. That is a blunt but frank 
and true statement. Listen, you can delete every app on your cell phone. I'm not giving you permission to go back on what you've already given to God tonight. But you can delete every app. You can take an axe to the television. You can delete everything on the iPad. But if you don't go to war, if you don't step into the spirit and start fighting for your family, then all you've done is sanctified yourself. But you're not walking in authority. Sanctification matters. Separation matters. Stepping away from certain things matter. But let us understand, we're not just doing those things so that we can be close to God. There's another step to that. We're getting closer to God, yes. But we're also trying to make sure that our authority in the spirit realm is not limited and it's not hindered and that no devil in hell can resist us in prayer. The things that I've been preaching to you, they're not just about separation from entertainment and separation from the world. I want a mantle of authority to rest on every man and woman in this house so that when you go in your family member's house and teach a Bible study, every devil in hell has got to bow out and walk out when you walk in. You can't be entertained and powerful. I'm t- I don't want to touch this again. I get feeling God pulled me back on it, and I'm trying to pull away from it. Oh, you're just gonna have to forgive me. Is there anybody that would be willing to take that box of entertainment and to turn the mantle that entertainment sat on into a mantle of prayer? Anybody willing to take it and throw it out and walk in victory? Not because you're lost but because your family is. There are some things we must do, not because of heaven or hell, but because of authority, power, dominion, consecration. You decide your levels or your limits. You decide how much you'll give to God. I wonder... How many family members that when we get to judgment could have walked in had we took our limits off and went another level? Could it just be one little thing that's holding us back from having a real prayer meeting? I mean, let me address something in the spirit. It's not right to, to gossip through text message or phone calls either and call yourself spiritual. If you are going to walk in authority, then you first have got to learn how to get these people in this church to trust you. If nobody in this house trusts you, you don't have a lot of authority. I've got to learn how to handle my character. 
before I can walk in authority. They can't trust me to chew them out and give them a word in the same breath. That's not spiritual. That's carnal people that's just learned how to hear. Lord, tonight, I feel him, especially in the last three weeks and a month, he's shaking within this church. I feel people that on these Monday nights, you're getting uncomfortable with some of the things I'm preaching because at first it was just prophecies that seemed like good ideas and things that God could do, but now it's coming home to your house and you've got to make a decision. Are we going to go to another dimension so that we can really walk in authority with God? Hey, we're saved in here tonight. Baptized in Jesus' name. You look like a holy separated people speaking in other tongues. But do we really have power? I want you to lift your hand right now and ask the Lord to give you a revelation of the power that's inside of you. I, I, I want you to pray that with sincerity. Lord! Give me fresh revelation of the power and authority that came inside of me when I got the Holy Ghost. My Lord, I feel a fresh wind trying to come in this room. You feel that? I felt a weary spirit sitting on this church, but now I'm starting to feel a church that's got authority. Lord, I gotta be vigilant with my prayer. I've got to be vigilant with my separation. I have to be vigilant with my fasting. I'm not just coming and dancing around in the altar just, just by happenstance. I'm dancing and worshiping service by service because I'm on a mission. Yes, I'm first on a mission to worship. But once I step in that mission of worship, and now I'm on a mission, I'm worshiping that my family would come in. I'm fighting for my marriage. I'm fighting for my children. I'm fighting for my revival. I don't want to live in chronic spiritual warfare tonight, but I do want to be able to shift into it. Just like tonight when it's time to shift into it. Somebody, you got to step up out of your weariness and your exhaustion, and you got to put a name to the family member that's been on your mind and say, Lord, I'm going to war tonight for Johnny. I'm going to war tonight for Sally. I'm going to war tonight for Bobby and Lucy. There are people that are dependent on my decisions. Complacency never saves anybody. I've got to step up. Lord, help me. Listen, the day will come. I'm prophesying to you tonight. If you don't sell out from it, sell out with it, the way I'm asking for you to do, the day will come 
that this world will be so polar opposite from the things of God. You'll look back and say, why did I watch it? Why did I even keep up with it? When you understand the depths of sin that go on behind the scenes in the sports world and that the Super Bowl is the biggest day for human trafficking on the planet, you don't want it anymore. He separates light from darkness. And if you try to stay in the gray, you don't have any authority. But when you move into the light and you walk in the light as he is in the light, you'll put on the whole armor of God. Lord, loose my family from the things that's got a hold of their mind. It said, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I ask you, how can you have the authority to cast out a spirit of gender confusion if you watch it in your living room? When Gomer Powell turned out to be a homosexual, please tell me how Mayberry's just a sweet little town. There is no gray area. Either I'm stepping into it with God or I'm just trying to play in the lukewarm place. But God is calling some people tonight in these four walls to a place of authority and power. I saw a boy just in the last two weeks. I preached this on a Wednesday night in Memphis, Tennessee. And a boy, a homosexual young man, 24, 25 years old, he was living with another man. He ran to the altar hollering while I'm preaching. And the pastor said, no, you're not going to take control of this service. Sit down. He sat down and he's devil possessed and he's messed up and he's eaten up with identity confusion. We started praying for him. He said, I need these spirits to leave me. These things that have messed up my mind. He, he said, while the preaching was going forth, God started giving me revelation of the sin. I didn't even say anything about homosexuality in that message. But he said, while the word of the Lord was going forth, God started convicting me of my sin. He said, I, I'm reaping things in my life that I invited into my life and I didn't even really realize what I was inviting in. Thank God that his momo and his papa was apostolic and they brought him to church that night. I remember we started praying with him and devils started coming out but he was so messed up in the works of the flesh that when we started praying for him that the Holy Ghost would come. What came on him was not really the Holy Ghost. It was a, a perverted way of operating in the spirit Hey, you've got to have enough discernment in these days to be able to pick up on what's God and what's not God. We stopped him. No, you need to get in that altar and you need to repent. That's not God. What you're doing right now is not God. And I know you really don't understand everything that's going on, but that tongue that's on you right now, that's not of God. You're still operating in the works of the flesh that you've been bound up with for so long. And he got up and he ran to the altar and he started repenting. That night he said, I want to get baptized in Jesus' name. I've been baptized in the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. But I want to get baptized in Jesus' name. And they took him to the water 
water and before they baptized him, Brother Stevenson, they said, we're not baptizing you tonight unless you agree that you're going to go home and you're going to break up with your boyfriend. We're not going to put you into a covenant with God while you're living in open sin and you know that you're living in perversion. He said, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'm repenting. He went home, he broke up with his boyfriend. They moved out from one another. He was back at church on Sunday morning. His earrings were out of his ears. He came to the altar with his hands lifted, worshiping. Sunday night, he started weeping for the first time in the last couple weeks, and he lifted his hands, and God gave him the Holy Ghost. He started speaking in other tongues. He was falling into the floor under the power of God, and they had to hold him up. He runs around hugging people. Thank you. You don't know what you've done for me. Oh, my God. Can you even think about all the people that if they could just walk into this church and have you lay hands on them, brother, and you lay hands on them, sister, before the service is over with, they'd be walking around hugging the church saying, my God, you don't even really know what you've done operating in the spirit. You don't even really understand what God did for me tonight. I was in such a place of darkness. You made up your mind to live in a dimension of light. You shine light into my darkness. The Lord has loosed my mind of gender confusion. Men are no longer after men. and Women are no longer after women. But the Lord has set me free because a church was vigilant enough to be faithful. And a church had a made up mind enough to pray even when they didn't feel like praying. And worship when they didn't feel like worshiping. And fast when they didn't feel like fasting. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. The power of his might, the way it explains it is might. It's like you walk into the gym and you see a man that's six foot four. He's muscled. And I got to give a little bit of comedy everywhere but his legs. He's built like an axe. It just gets more narrow the farther you go down. When you see him, Muscled up, you see his might. But to only see his might doesn't mean you understand his strength. You're just seeing the appearance of what may be strong. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. What they're saying is this. What the Bible's saying is this. Be strong in the Lord as he exercises his might. The power it's referring to is might when it's exercised. I'm going to tell you tonight that there are people that they look like they're strong. But all it is is a facade. But the Lord doesn't just look the part, brothers and sisters. The Lord is the part. And if we're really going to walk with God, we don't just need to look the part. Be strong in the Lord in the exercising of his might. We don't just look the part tonight. We are the part. We are a strong church. And there's no devil in hell that when we're really on our 
Ghost praying can walk in this building and have authority over us. You've got the power to cast out devils. You've got the authority to raise the dead, heal the sick, pull them out of wheelchairs. But I'm afraid we're sitting here with might, but we've not yet exercised the power. Give you a simple illustration. Might would be when you understand what happens when you worship and you stay there and you think about it, but you never do it. But power is when you understand what happens when you worship. And instead of you just staying there and thinking about it and wondering who's going to dance before you, you get up. And you're strong in the Lord in the exercising of his might and his ability. And you get up at altar call and you run and you start praying for somebody. Exercising, not taking authority. Exercising authority over their situation. If I could get somebody to really get a glimpse with this tonight, you'd say, those things I've been dealing with for years, I don't even want them anymore. I don't even want to watch that anymore. I don't even want to think about that and keep up with that anymore. I'm going to step into another dimension. You want to talk about entertainment, and I don't want to dumb it down tonight, but you want to talk about entertainment? There's nothing that's entertained and excited my spirit more than seeing a devil come out of a child and somebody whose parents had allowed it into their house and a church that had been praying and men and women that were confused about what they are walked in and the addiction died at the door the devils couldn't come past the threshold of the altar you gotta be vigilant you gotta wake up when other churches are asleep and it feels like a time to slumber you've got to wake up and be vigilant with your watch prayer. Watching what's going on in the world so that I can see what's about to happen in the spirit. I think the enemy laid a trap, brother. We should be discerning the times, not absorbing the spirit of the times. He laid a trap because we started trying to discern and look at what's going on and then he hooked us. And now we're not discerning anymore. We're just eating things that keep us from praying. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor. He's saying put it on and don't take it off. The decisions you make don't back up on them. Put on the armor. Keep the armor on. Fight. Fight. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. When you've done all to stand, stand firm on what you know. Put on the helmet of salvation. You've got to let salvation guard your thoughts. The breastplate of righteousness, you let Righteousness guard the core of who you are. Shod, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. 
the peace that I have in God, the understanding that I have in the gospel, it keeps me from running the wrong direction. I have good footing. It guards me when I walk over sharp objects. That should have took me out. Take up the shield of faith. It's referring to a shield that in those days was between three and a half and four and a half feet tall. It could quench the arrows of the enemy. It could be above you, in front of you, or down at the bottom. But you have the ability to use your faith, not just in the truth, but your faith in God's supernatural ability. You've got the ability. I don't want to say hide tonight. I don't want that to sound weak in what I'm preaching but you have the ability to step behind it until you have the opportunity to attack yourself. Having your loins girt about with truth, the place that produces life, the, the place in you that produces the next generation, the loins girt about with truth. It's the very foundation of the armor. The truth that I have and understanding that there's only one God and his name is Jesus. I've got to be baptized in Jesus' name. Receive the Holy Ghost evidence speaking in other tongues. I've got to be vigilant with my understanding of these things and let truth hold everything else together. He'll be your shield. He'll be your buckler. But you've got to fight. He said you've got to get in the place that you can pray and supplicate. Not like a wimp. Like a soldier. I don't know if anybody's been keeping up at all with what's been going on in Israel. I think you'd have to about live under a rock to not know what's going on. They've got 300,000. They just caught up with reserves. They're coming from all over the world, getting on airplanes. Some, they were in Israel's military, and when they got out of the military, they moved to America to have a life. But they said, this is what they said. They said, we heard the call. And when we heard the call, and we saw what was happening to our family. We said, we can't just stay here in comfort. We've got to go fight. Anybody hear the call tonight? But at the same time that you hear the call, can you see what the enemy's done to your family? I won't understand the urgency of the call if I can't get a good image of what the enemy's done to my family. They've decapitated newborn babies. They've tore children from their mother's wombs and killed the child and the mother while they were still connected with the umbilical cords. They have raped women. They've kicked dead soldiers in the face until their faces were distorted and they were messed up. And they've went and even cut people's heads off with shovels and hoes. And so the men living in these other countries said, we heard the call back home. And we can't just stay here knowing our nation, our children, our family needs our help.
And let me tell you how afraid the enemy is of that military. They're getting on every news station begging for the governments of the world to stop them. Don't let them come into this enemy territory. They're going to take us all out. <clears throat> Trying to make it look as if Israel's going to wipe out women and children, and I'm sure things like that happen in the midst of war, but the enemy's hiding behind human shields and excuses and situations to try to stay alive because it knows they've woke up a sleeping giant in the Middle East and they're going to be vigilant with their warfare. They're taking no prisoners. They're coming to wipe them off the face of the earth. My, that we could get a good image of our family. My, that we could get a good revelation of our mothers, our fathers, and our children, and we could say, I'm not taking any prisoners, Hika. I'm not taking any captives. I'm cutting methamphetamine's head off. I'm cutting crack cocaine's head off. I'm taking the spirit of alcoholism, and we're going to take it under. It's never going to get them again. I'm going to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I'm going to wield the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The only weapon listed is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Your Bible said it's a two-edged sword. It's got spirit on one side, word on the other. It's a man that fights Pastor Stevenson while living in balance. He's balanced between word and spirit. He's not carried too hard to one side or the other. He's in the perfect place to wipe out the enemy. I think tonight of Rizba in your Old Testament. The Bible said because of sin. See, sin's what did this to your family. Oh, that we could get angry tonight at sin. That we could hate sin. Rizba's got some boys that because of their father's sin, they're having to pay a price they never asked to pay. Go get the sons of Saul. Two of the boys are Rizba's. The others aren't hers. Pastor Stevenson, she didn't let it get in her mind that she was only going to fight for two of them. She said, I'm not just going to go down there to where they've hung my boys in the trees in the high places and just fight for my two boys that the buzzards are trying to pick the meat off of their bones. And the wolves are trying to devour what's left. But I have a burden for my boys and the boys of others. I'm going down to the place that they were supposed to be left. 
until the buzzards and the eagles devoured it all. And the wolves and the lions and the coyotes tore them limb from limb until nothing was left. Somebody get this in your mind tonight because this is what's going on in your family. There's buzzards and fowls of the air and, and beasts of the field that are taking your family under taking their life from them and taking them to hell. She said, I'm not just going to stay there and fight off the buzzards that I can just wave off for a little while. And I'm not just going to stay there for a 24-hour period. She stayed there for months, day after day, week after week, month after month, night after night, morning after morning. She said, buzzards, you can't have my boys. Vultures, you can't have my boys. Eagles, ravens, you can't have my boys. And then in the middle of the night, when the wolves started growling and snarling, she said, no, I don't care how big this wolf pack is. One woman with a burden can drive out a whole pack of wolves. One church with a burden can take out a whole pride of lions. I'm going to fight for my boys. I'm driving the wolves off. I'm driving the lions back. I'm beating the eagles out of the sky. Somebody go to war for your family. How tall must you have been? How big? I imagine there's a frail woman, exhausted, but vigilant. Her mind's made up. I'm not leaving my boys here. There must have been other people that got a burden because somebody had to have brought her food and water. The night came. The wolves came. She stayed vigilant. The morning came. The buzzards came. But the buzzards met up with a mama with a burden. Oh, that we could be burdened to the same level they're burdened in sin. And step into that dimension with enough authority to fight for them until they come home. I see backsliders out of this church. Chains have got them. Sin has got them. Addiction has taken them out. Divorce has wiped out their home. But tonight, I feel like we're stirring up the spirit of a prayer warrior that says they're dead in sin, yes. But I'm stepping into a dimension of prayer that there will be resurrection power. Oh, that we can understand tonight the true power of the resurrection and the life. We can step into that dimension and say, I'm not leaving this prayer meeting. Not till I get a breakthrough, but until I feel like they did. And you go to church all the time. It don't take long to get a breakthrough. 
I'm not just praying until I get my breakthrough. I'm tapping in until I feel them get theirs. Come on, the enemy stirred up a sleeping giant in this church when it came and took out your family. We're waking up, Lord. We're waking up, devil. We're coming for our kids, devil. We're coming for our grandkids, devil. We're coming for our spouses, devil. We're coming for our aunts and our uncles and our grandfathers and our grandmothers. We're coming for our cousins. We're coming for the people that we're not even related to, but they belong to this church. This church has got a burden for them. We're going to leave our entertainment behind. We're going to leave the things that have put too much of our time. We're putting on the whole armor of God. I'm coming to fight for that little girl tonight. I'm coming to fight for that little boy that kept coming to your mind. Rizba stayed there and she fought and she fought and as she protected the bodies of the dead, the Bible said it began to rain. Finally, David got up off of the throne. He said, go get them boys. Cut them down out of the trees. He didn't stop there. He said, go get Saul's body. Go get Jonathan's body. It's going to be those boys plus Jonathan plus Saul. Bring them all up out of that situation. Go bury them in Benjamin. What is Benjamin? Benjamin's a place of power. It's a place of authority. Oh, tonight that we wouldn't stop praying until they're buried with him in baptism. Speaking in other tongues. Living separated like you are. Shouting with you again on Sunday night. Come over right now in this house. Come on. Come on, right now in this house, somebody dim the lights a little bit. I feel like we need to have an old time prayer meeting. I'm opening up this altar. I'm opening up this altar right now. Somebody's got to be vigilant with your prayer. Vigilant with your warfare. There's a revival of backsliders that's waiting on you to wake up. Come on. Oh, that I could hear young people pray tonight.